Morningstone Bridge, please give a big welcome to Wes Wilkinson. You guys probably don't know this, but Wes and I have uh, something in common. Uh, we both have dunked in uh, college basketball games. I'm not kidding you. I actually did. Now, we're going to show highlights of my uh, games that I did that in, um, but the shorts are a little inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, just so you know. Actually, I don't even know. I don't think the video camera had been invented yet. But, um, but yeah. So, Wes... Uh, you played for Nebraska? Uh, what years? Yeah, I played for Nebraska from 02 to 06. 02 to 06. Yeah. All right. Very good. Not quite back in the short shorts days. But. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. It's a long time, though. Long yeah. time ago. Uh, yeah, Barry Collier was a coach. Okay, very good. Then. Yep. So. I remember watching you play, Bob Devaney, mm-hmm. and uh, enjoyed basketball games. I love basketball. Yeah, before you got there, though, you had some success in high school. Yeah, that's right. Uh, grew up in Grand Island, Nebraska. I uh, take a lot, of, a lot of pride coming from there. We ended up winning two state championships, wow. which is uh, a rarity coming from a small town in western Nebraska competing with these uh, sure, sure. Omaha schools, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, so. You showed them. Yeah, sure did. There you go. <laughs> Way to go. Uh, Grand Island, uh, I, I go out there to see a sandhill cranes. So I'm sure you like those things. Yeah, yeah, love them. Okay. Love them. They bring the tourists. They do bring <laughs> a little income there. Uh, so, senior year, state championship, Class A, uh, Mr. Nebraska basketball, which is pretty cool. And you're getting heavily recruited by a whole bunch of folks. How did that go for you? It went good. I was lucky that I didn't have uh, social media back then. Uh, <laughs> they, I can't imagine what those guys go through uh, today. But yeah, I, uh, I got recruited by a lot of a lot of schools. But I knew I wanted to stay home hmm. uh, in Nebraska. So I got offers from Dana Altman at, at Creighton, and then obviously at Nebraska. And so ultimately, I decided to uh, represent Nebraska. Nice. <laughs> well, but, good yeah. thing because uh, we wouldn't be talking today if you had played for Altman. I agree. That's right. <laughs> Nothing against those little birds. But, uh, <laughs> very, we're glad you're uh, we're a Husker. Uh, so you came from, uh, uh, you know, kind of the guy in Nebraska, big deal, and a lot of pressure, uh, I think especially for Nebraska kids to do well at the University of Nebraska as well. And, and that's, you know, that's pretty t- I think that's a... Uh, it's pretty tough to stay home, right? And and then with the expectations of a whole state, and and uh, you want to do well. Uh, but how things go for you in your freshman year? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll just backtrack a little bit. Um, you know, basketball has really been a good vehicle um, in my life. Uh, a lot of life lessons. Uh, but ultimately, the most important thing the game has done for me was bring me closer to Christ. Hmm. Uh, when I was in high school, I didn't grow up religious in high school. I was lucky to have a family take me under the wings and and brought me to church and actually got baptized my sophomore year in high school. Um, and so, you know, I had a good relationship and obviously my freshman year, uh, in college, it was real difficult. I was 185, 69 expected to play in the big 12. Wasn't happening. (laughs) Wasn't happening at all. Um, so obviously that was a huge roadblock for me. Um, I dealt with a lot of inner um, feelings, you mm-hmm. know, because I've never been really rejected like that or uh, put down. I had one or two options. I could have uh, climbed the mountain, um, lack of better words, sure. or I could have walked the other way, probably transferred to um, a lesser school and played a lot more. 
Um, but, you know, that's really when my faith kicked in. I, I leaned, leaned on God heavily and uh, just put my, head, put my head down and grinded, you know, kept that faith that everything was going to work out in the end, and, and luckily it did. Yeah, very good. Though you played, I saw that uh, you played every game as a freshman, in every game. Is that right? No. No? No. Man, that sure Wikipedia is killing me. <laughs> so you sat a lot. If I did, it was for uh, yeah, 30 seconds, okay. maybe. You just got in there. Uh, and then you did, you, uh, about junior year, senior year, things kind of started kicking in for you. Yeah, uh, obviously hit the weight room and uh, gained a lot of confidence. I would say that's probably the biggest thing that I lacked uh, was between oh, huh. the, between the ears. You know, um, you know, basketball is such a mental thing, but I think just putting the work in and having that faith, I stepped onto the court with a lot more confidence. And uh, like you're saying, my junior and senior year, really uh, things really started clicking. Cool. Then you went on to play professionally uh, in Europe. Yeah, but you, you you spent a little time with the Celtics. Yeah. Yeah, so I was blessed. Uh, obviously, I didn't get drafted. It was a huge letdown. Had a party and everything at my house. Oh, no. Expecting to go first round. Sure, didn't happen. Sure. No. Uh, <laughs> Me too. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they had the NBA back then? No. Was yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was blessed enough to... Um, I had a couple of workouts. I worked out with Golden State Warriors and then mm. uh, the Boston Celtics. Ultimately, um, you know, I got picked up by the Celtics to play in the summer league team. Um, Doc Rivers was the coach. Oh. Um, this was before they made the, made the big trade, um, you know, for the big three. Uh, Sebastian oh, Telefor, wow. uh, Al Jefferson. Uh, Rajon Rondo was actually playing for a contract, too. Oh, huh. So I had a chance to uh, really see how those guys live their day-to-day. But most importantly, I think just playing under Doc um, yeah. was a, a big lesson. Uh, un- unfortunately, I didn't get my three-year, $10 million contract. From the Celtics, I uh, ended up going overseas and playing in, in Belgium was oh. where my rookie year was, and so the rest is history. Belgium, do they, uh, do they take basketball seriously in Belgium? Believe it or not, they do, very seriously. Obviously, uh, football or soccer is the number one sport. Huh. Uh, super fanatics about that, but the good thing about that is a lot of those fans carry over into the basketball realm, and they're just as passionate. Really? You know, yeah, so they, they bring it. Every home game uh, and away game, they bring it. Uh, one good story I got is uh, we were playing a home game. It was a pretty big game. Um, the visitors came in heavy, and... During warm-ups, warming up, and I see a flare, a roadside flare just landing on the baseline. <laughs> and I was like, what the heck, you know? So needless to say, they cleared out the, uh, the gym. They brought in the dogs and, and got everybody out of the gym. And we, start, we started the game about an hour later, but <laughs> we won. So. <laughs> um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, parents here today with kids who kind of got aspirations of basketball, football, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, it seems like everything's kind of got ramped up a lot in the, in, in little kids' lives and stuff, uh, select things, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, do you have any, uh, words of advice maybe to parents today as like their kids are thinking about, you know, sports and stuff and you know, what would you like to say to them? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, not, I'm never one to tell anybody what to do, but just coming from my own experience and really what I've seen with my friends growing up was uh, my parents were very hands-off, and I actually grew up learning the game on my own. Hmm. You know, the game kind of came to me. I'd be in the park, you know, just by myself, just playing, you know. So 
Kind of what I've seen, I uh, haven't been through it personally, is there's a lot of pressure on the younger kids to perform, um, you know, a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I guess my biggest piece of advice would just be have fun. You know, that's what the sport's all about. And a lot of times you see these NBA players, they're out there laughing, you know, they're oh, having yeah. fun, you yeah. know, and that's when they play the best. So I think when you grind hard, you, you really can lose your interest um, by the time you get to a junior, senior in high school. Yeah. So that's probably my piece of okay, advice. Okay, very good. You guys, thank you so much. Uh, Wes, we're glad you're here. Let's, uh, let's thank him. We're in a message series called A Sea of Red. You've probably kind of figured that out by now. Uh, if you're here for the first time, we're, we're taking a look at the, uh, the words of Jesus in the New Testament. Typically, uh, on, in a trans- Bible translation, they're printed in red. So if you're reading the Bible, like, well, it's all, why is that all in red? Those are the words of Jesus. And we're t- in particular looking at John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17. Basically, if you open up those chapters and you got a, a red letter edition thing there, it'll be the whole thing is in red. So that's the sea of red. And John is the fourth book in the New Testament. So uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John is probably Jesus' best friend, closest friend. And he writes some incredible things. And so that's why we're looking at it. John chapter um, uh, 15 today. Probably if you've been... Um, oh, actually, I want to tell you a little bit about uh, Doobie Brothers. I got a Doobie Brothers story, too. I was fairly naive about Doobie Brothers. I didn't know, you know, what a Doobie was. I, um, still not sure. Um, but I got invited by a friend uh, to go to the Doobie Brothers concert in Omaha. And, so, and I don't know why my parents said that was a good idea. I, I truly don't think they knew what it was either. And so, therefore, I went and um, had a great time. It was super fun. They started the concert off with Jesus just on me. So I thought it was a Christian concert. And uh, this was going to be fun, you know, but it was different. I did discover that night what a doobie was because uh, everybody was passing around. And um, that was crazy stuff. also found out that later on, two of my best friends uh, who are preachers in, in Nebraska um, were at that concert as well. Uh, and and they, they knew what it was. Uh, in high school, so it's super fun. Anyway, you might even be wondering if, uh, you know, it's like, hey, I, you know, I kind of, I, I, I don't even know if I can get close to God. I don't even know if it's possible. I don't know what John 14, 15, 16 said. I don't know nothing about this stuff. I kind of did when I was a kid and drifted a little bit too far. I don't know how to find him anymore. Check this out. Psalm 51. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Now, fascinating that the, the psalmist here has to invoke God's power into his life for obedience and make me willing, right? Uh, make me willing to obey. Is it possible to restore? Right? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a brand new person. The old life is gone and new life has begun. So here we are picking things up, John chapter 15. It is possible, by the way, I think it is very possible to start over, brand new life. And uh, if we've drifted from God, absolutely we can find our way back. So here we are, John chapter 15. 
a little backstory. Jesus is about ready to head out from the upper room. So he, Judas has left the room. He, Judas is going to go find some authority soldiers. They're going to uh, arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. So it's quite possible that Jesus and his disciples, the 11 that are left, are on their way and they're walking to the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas knows where they're going to end up, and Jesus is walking there with his disciples. And so I just kind of want to put it in the context of that so that you can hear his words. This is what he's saying as they're walking to the garden hours before he's going to be arrested, in days before he's going to be executed. Listen to this. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. Don't know if he was walking by a vineyard. Uh, don't know where, you know, maybe he saw something that kind of triggered this, but he wanted to make it really crystal clear. I am the true grapevine and the father and my father is the gardener and he cuts off. Now this is, a, I think this is a little scary, a little disturbing passage. I'm not sure what he's like. This is a little harsh as we read through this. Check this out. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And if you're a gardener, you know occasionally, especially if you do grape stuff, is that you've got to go in there and trim off stuff that's, that's dead, that's lifeless, that's not doing nothing, right? It's, it's cause, it's, you've got to get it off of there. If you want good grapes, if you want healthy fruit, you've got to do a little trimming. And he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit so that they will produce even more. The reason why we're cutting that stuff off is that we're able to produce more if we cut that stuff off. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Amazing. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. Right? Because once it's severed from the vine, it lights out. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart, and this is under, go ahead and underline this one. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing? It wouldn't have been better if he just said, apart from me, you can do some things. But not everything. Apart from me, you can do Nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like the useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask, here, underline this one, you may ask for anything, not some things. Again, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. Evidence of true discipleship is fruit producing. It's not going to church. It's fruit producing. Not giving us some money. It's fruit producing. Amazing. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as my Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Here we go. Underline this. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Obedience is the key to remaining in his love. Obedience to who what he said like that's the key. Just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. 
I told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, joy will overflow. This is my commandment, love. So here's the commandment. He tells him right before he getting on the cross, love each other in the same way. I, again, I don't think this. I don't think they got this until he was up there. Maybe not even then. This is crazy. Uh, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. No need to. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. So here's the command. This is last. This is big honking deal. Love what? Love each other. Amazing. So here it is. Closing moments right before Jesus is getting on the cross. He clues them in. you got to stay connected with me. The way you stay connected with me is through obedience. And obedience to this. To this command. Love each other. If you ever have visited a vineyard, you know that that just doesn't happen. That all of a sudden, hey, well, he's like, hey, I'm mining this piece of ground and poof, uh, there's a whole bunch of grapes and a whole bunch of vines and it's beautiful. Every vineyard you've ever, I've ever been to is just spectacular. Uh, the rows are straight and everything's trimmed up. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Obviously, that just didn't happen. Somebody had to pay attention to that. You just can't, right? You just can't expect to get a good crop if you don't pay attention to it. And we in Nebraska know this. We love gardening. Some of you like to garden. Uh, and again, it doesn't take long. If, if you ignore your garden for a, like a weekend or a week, you go on vacation, what happens when you come back to your garden? Oh, boy. Weeds everywhere. How'd that happen? I was just out here a couple of days ago. Where'd those weeds come from? Who planted those weeds in my garden? Nobody did. They just pop up. They just show up. Nobody, nobody got out there like throwing a little bit of, you know, a dandelion seed out there. And they just blow in. You neglect your garden for a season. Whew, it is just a huge amount of work. You don't have to go very far from this campus in Omaha. You just drive out to Maple and you get about to 225th, 230th Street and you look around and the fields are just spectacular. Corn is growing and straight rows. It just looks awesome. And, and beans are growing. And it's just a, this is a special time of year for, for us in Nebraska. We love watching corn grow. Because you know what that means? It's money, baby. It's money, baby. That's a, we, you know, as, as, as difficult as this day is to go outside and enjoy it, every farmer is smiling. This is corn growing weather. You just keep that humidity high and you just keep that heat on. But you also, have you ever noticed you can be driving past a really spectacular field of corn and then right next to it is a field that's just full of weeds and neglected and it looks like nobody's paid attention to that field for for years and you wonder what happened to this field it's right next to a spectacular one i'm sure it would produce really good corn if somebody would just pay attention to it you ever notice in your in your life with god that just a little bit of Lack of attention in your spiritual life 
doesn't take very long for some weeds to grow up. I mean, in fact, it can happen in a, in a week or two or a month. He didn't really mean to, but after a little bit of just kind of neglected, maybe a year or two, he's like, oh, man. <sighs> can I ever get back? Can I ever restore the joy of my salvation? When I was really paying attention to my walk with God, when I was really cooking, when I was, I was really into the word, when I was really into worship, now it seems like a chore, it seems like difficult. Maybe you even thought, you know what, I'm just going to ignore a little bit of, of God's principles in my life. I'm not going to pay too much attention to what he says about dating because <laughs> I'm dating and I want to do it my way. And I'm sure it's not a big deal. Uh, I can kind of do what I want. I'm kind of smart and know what I want and I know what I want in a guy or a gal. And I'm fine and I can just do it my way. And, and a little neglect in that area, you know this. A little neglect in that area, or you just like, hey, I want to. I, 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 I don't need God's help with my money. It's my money. I earned my money, and I'm going to do it my way. But a little neglect of, of ignoring God's principles when it comes to finances, it does not take long for that to get messed up. So he says, obedience is the key to producing fruit. We see here in Proverbs 24, here's what happens. Proverbs 24, verse 30. I walked by a field of a lazy person, the vineyard of one with no common sense. By the way, uh, it, it was incredibly uh, a, a source of pride. If you had enough ground in Palestine that would produce a vineyard, you were incredibly wealthy. And you would never want to disregard a, an opportunity of a lifetime to have a plot of ground like that. Most no, people didn't have something like that. So a lazy person in charge of a vineyard was a disgrace. I walked by the field of a lazy person, the vineyard of, of one with no common sense. I saw that it was overgrown with nettles. It was covered with weeds and the walls were broken down. Then as I looked and thought about it, I learned this lesson. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. will attack you like an armed robber. You know, a little, just, it's, it's not a lot of neglect, it's just a little neglect. And that's what happens. There's two things necessary for um, uh, staying connected, staying connected and letting, uh, I think one is, is that I've got to let God do his work. I've got to let the gardener do his work. And oftentimes the gardener's job is to come and prune and cut some stuff out, right? So I'm going to do a little bit of work and that's painful. And we don't like that. It's like, it's like it, is, it, is, it is difficult to, and probably you think there's some things in my life right now that if I cut that out, if I let God cut that out of my life, my spiritual life would start soaring. It, it would. It would start soaring. And we probably know exactly what it is. I don't know what it is for you, but there's probably something in your life right now that if God cut that out, right? Maybe it's a habit or a hang-up or a hurt that is causing you to, to get all messed up. we got to cut that out. You've got to let God do His work in your life. We also have to stay connected to the vine. How do I do that? 
Well, typically, again, how do you stay connected in any relationship? You talk to a person. You got to stay connected. I mean, if if you don't talk with that again, absence makes the heart grow what? Farther away. It doesn't make it grow fonder. The farther just if I don't stay connected with friends, people for a while, we just drift away. I am celebrating my fortieth high school reunion this year. You know who celebrates fortieth high school reunions? Old people. My goodness. Most of those people I haven't had any connection with since the day I walked out of Lincoln East High School. That was fine with me. I was kind of glad to be done with it. Not that I didn't enjoy some, some of the stuff in high school, but I couldn't stay there. I needed to get out. And for the most part, I haven't connected with a whole lot of people, a couple of friends, that's it, since that time. But now I'm kind of reconnecting through Facebook, and it's kind of interesting to see some of my friends and talking to, a little bit on the Facebook thing. And I'm looking forward to perhaps uh, connecting with them this year at the reunion. And the only way that we're going to stay connected is if we stay talking to each other. That's just kind of how it is. Kind of how in any relationship, a marriage or a friendship, all that stuff. So if I'm not staying, if I'm not communicating with God, whether it's through prayer, reading the Bible, uh, coming to church like this, it just helps me stay connected. Again, if I blow this off for just a little bit, it wouldn't even take very long, and you know that, right? You just blow it off for a little bit. All of a sudden, I'm disconnected. Obedience is the other way. I stay connected with God. He, Jesus says, the way we stay connected is through obedience. It's disobedience. All of a sudden, it's like, I mean, again, when I'm kind of doing my own thing, and, and do, I have almost zero desire to pray. Zero desire to read the Bible. Right? Because I'm doing stuff I want to do when I want to do it with whoever I want to do. That's how I'm doing my life. And I don't really need God or anybody telling me what to do. So disobedience disconnects me from the vine. Obedience keeps that thing going. If you want to keep your relationship with God growing and going, obey his word. Obey his word. It's pretty simple. Now, he talks a whole lot about here about producing fruit, right? So what does that mean? I think it can mean a couple of things. Uh, the, uh, the Apostle Paul would write, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those things should be producing in my life. And if I would look over my life like a year ago to now, like uh, have I grown at all spiritually in the area of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, gentleness, right? All those things should be being produced in my, in my life. And and. Again, that has that takes some work that God's going to help me and he's going to provide opportunities for me to learn more patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness. So when you are praying for patience, which is a dumb thing to pray for, right? You know that. Dumb, 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 right? Because he's always going to give you opportunities to grow in that area. You don't even have to ask for patience. He wants you to develop. He's going to help develop. Just like any coach, right, who knows his player. Wilkinson, get on the line. We're going to need more free throws, right? It just happens. We got to work on that. You're at 80%. We got to get that to 85. Well, coach, I thought 80. No, I need you at 85. Here we go. Let's run some lines. Hey, by the way, I hated running lines. Hated running lines. My coach in basketball was a cross country runner. 
seriously hated him. Because it's like, oh, let's go run, let's go running. This is why I wanted to play golf. I'm doing this. But every coach knows how to get the most out of a person, right? How do I draw that out? You got potential. And what God's looking at you is like, there's some things. I want to draw this stuff out of you. I want to draw a little more love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness. All that stuff out of you. So sure enough, he's going to put people around me that's going to try my patience that I'm going to have to love. He's going to be too, there's going to be opportunities for that. Absolutely. But I also think that another part of producing fruit is not just my spiritual life is growing that way, but I'm bringing other people to Jesus. I'm bringing other people to Jesus. I'm producing more grapes, right? We're just producing more. A little branch here, a little branch here, a little bit more here, a little bit more on here, right? And so I should constantly be going, you know, who's the next person I can bring and invite and share my faith with? Some of you guys are just so great at this. You're producing much fruit. But you know, one little, one little more person in heaven is totally worth it for you. I guarantee you. I watched a baptism this morning on our campus that blows me away as I saw tears flowing from every single person in that baptistry. And I knew exactly what was happening in the hearts of every single one of them is that they were thrilled uh, that this person was was finding the finding faith and grabbing a hold of it, but they were involved in it as well. There's nothing like that. There's nothing like that. And I hope that you'll take the opportunity to invite your family and friends to come find Jesus with you. All right. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Grateful for the opportunity to be in your house and be with your people love the fact that you are a good, good father. But also there's times in our lives where you have to do a little bit of trimming and cutting. It has been unpleasant and hard. But boy, howdy, if you hadn't done that. So grateful for that. In Christ we pray. Amen.